Well, I'm reading scripture today, and I'm reading it from Psalm 103. And we have a special treat today because I've asked three daughters to honor dads today as part of our message, as our message today. And so um, I'm delighted to hear from um, uh, three daughters of different generations recall their dads, but particularly to recognize what, what is true about our dads many times gives us an inkling of who our Heavenly Father is. So we'll look at that today. But let me read Psalm 103. Look, listen, especially in the early verses, to the benefits of God in our life. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant. And remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven. And his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels. You mighty ones who do his bidding. Who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts. You his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. This morning, Kathy Sandquist, Kelsey Johnson, and Marion Eklund are sharing and honoring fathers today. So I'm going to ask them to go in that order, and I won't introduce them as they come. So, Kathy, welcome. Well, as Tim uh, um, made reference to, There's something about fathers and the relationship that we have with our fathers that also speaks to us about our Heavenly Father. And I'm really aware that for some people, maybe even some people in this room, that's not a good correlation. That can be a painful correlation and um, 
and, and even a misunderstanding of who God is because of how our fathers interacted with us. And so I'm very aware that that is a reality. Um, but I want to share with you a different story, uh, my story. Um, writing this, I was getting stuff done, so there were no tears. But sitting here this morning, <laughs> thinking about it, thinking about my dad, very meaningful for me. And I want to share three things with you about my dad. Um, I could share so many things, but I just pick three. And so the first one is that my dad is Mr. Cool. And when I say that, I don't mean like Mr. Slick, Mr. Mr. Hip. I mean he's calm and collected. And uh, girl, this was uh, a couple weeks ago we got an email uh, from my dad about a decision process that he and my mom are in that's pretty significant. And in the email to all of us kids, he just described their process and where they were in the decision. And if this happened, then this would happen. And, and, and what he was doing was in communicating with us as his family what was going on, but doing it in a way that was reassuring and logical. And that was vintage my dad. And that calmness and collectedness uh, was seen in many different aspects of his life. It was seen in how he disciplined us. Uh, it was never rash or out of angry. I, he never postured himself in a way that made me afraid. It was very calm and, and controlled. That's also how he handles pain in his own life. He's also very calm that way. A year and a half ago, he was playing uh, volleyball with his grandchildren uh, at a family reunion, and he fell and broke his hip. And we didn't really understand how much pain he was in because he was so calm and collected. But we realized that the quieter he was, probably the more pain uh, he was in. It's also a way that he talked to my mother. He was always very calm in responding to my mom, and he modeled that in, in marriage, that that was how he spoke to her and treated her, as well as how he spoke to us. And he was very gentle but firm. I mean, when, when we, we knew when we crossed a line, all he had to do was say things in a very calm but meaningful tone, and we knew uh, it was time to stop whatever line we, we were crossing. Secondly, oh, uh, and the scripture really that goes with that um, that I wanted to share with you is, is just the fruits of the Spirit. I see the fruit of, of God's Spirit in my dad. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law from Galatians 5.22. And then secondly, my dad taught me how to think for myself. He taught me how to make decisions and access that internal moral compass. And uh, the last time I was up at my parents' home there, I found a piece of paper. It was an old piece of paper, and on it was a list of rules. And one of the exercises that my dad would do is he would gather us kids together, or, or even if we had friends over, um, and if it was around a particular activity like riding the motorcycle, because we lived out in the country, he would gather us together, and then he would ask what we thought the rules should be. Because he knew, really, that we would come up with every rule that was needed, um, maybe even more than he would. And actually, that list has about 13 rules. It has, uh, I had Tim uh, photocopy 
one. It, you know, it starts with the last person is responsible to put it away and turn off the gas. Um, also, don't lay scratch when starting out. That means, you know, don't be going so fast at the start that you're kicking up gravel as you, as you leave. And, uh, of course, you, wearing a helmet was also on the list, but it's way down in number 11. And uh, each, the, last lit, the last rule is each person who rides must read these rules and accept the rules, and then you all have to sign. So if, if we had friends over and they wanted to ride the motorcycle, they had to, to read the list. Um, there's one here about uh, the weekday TV schedule. And uh, there's also one about when we uh, went camping, what the rules were for riding a bike. The first one is uh, go with someone else. Don't go by yourself. And my dad uh, confessed to me. I didn't even remember this, but he, he told me that was, he signed his name, but that was the rule he broke. Somehow he just went off on, you know, as an adult would do, go and do his, his thing. And we all called him on it because, you know, we had the rules and we'd all agreed to the rules. So, but what this taught me is it taught me to think for myself and to realize that after you are a part of a family system, you adopt that family system's values and you understand your parents and the family system so that you can begin to make decisions that you know are right. And that is the way it is in the family of God that as we get to know God, we understand and know who he is, and we begin to be able to think for ourselves and make decisions as God would have us do because we know him. And uh, we don't need him every time to say, do this or do that. In fact, the, the more we go along, oftentimes in my life, I've asked God for direction, and I don't get it um, in terms of direct do this, do that. Because God is asking me in certain circumstances to think for myself, to remember what I know about him and make decisions um, in that way. It also taught me that I have a voice. Um, By having a voice and setting the rules for those particular activities, uh, my dad heard me. And my, my uh, thoughts were included uh, in the discussion as valuable and a part of the agreement. And, um, and in that, I've learned that I have a voice with God. Uh, Isaiah 1.8 says, Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. And I've learned in this process of, of knowing my dad that I can reason with God. I can talk to him and share my ideas with him and that those ideas are accepted and can become a part of God's plan uh, for me. And then thirdly, my dad modeled a life of service. Uh, He has um, not only just in the everyday aspects of serving our family, but He's been a part of a church family and, and a covenant church family all his life. And he has done everything from make Swedish pancakes to uh, Sunday school, adult Sunday school teaching to chairman of the church. And actually, sometimes all three of those happen in the same week for my dad. To this day, he's still serving uh, in a church. And one of the things that I realized as I was writing down is the way my dad serves Uh, He chose things that he enjoyed doing. He chose things that were related to his giftedness. He didn't just fill in because it was needed. He always served, but he chose out of what made sense to who he was. And that really taught me a lot about giftedness and about 
um, serving in your giftedness the way that God has made you has just allowed me to love God and, and his people all the more because I enjoy doing it. It's not a have to. It's not a list of rules. It's my participation as myself. And so that's really a great gift to me. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not out of regret or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that's not just about money. For my dad, that's been about his service. In a week and a half, my dad and my mom are traveling to uh, Colorado to Estes Park for the Evangelical Covenant annual meeting. And he will participate in a service where he will be honored as layman of the year in our denomination. It's the Theodore Anderson Award. And um, I'm very proud of him. I'm very thankful for him. And I'm very thankful to God for the things that I've learned uh, through my dad. Good morning. Um, some of you don't know me yet. I'm Kelsey Johnson, and um, I'm one of the interns this summer. Um, so excited to be here this summer and serving. And um, yeah, thank you so much for that opportunity. I hope to, to meet all of you and um, get to know you all a little better. Um, and maybe through this, you'll get to know me a little bit. Um, so when Tim asked me to share a reflection for dads on, on dads on my dad, um, I was really excited. I have a really um, close relationship with my dad, and, and like Kathy said, I understand that's not the case for all, but um, I hope that, um, yeah, through my reflection, you can, um, yeah, just see, see, um, <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> um, but because of, I have uh, so much to say about my dad, he's a, um, so many funny stories. He gives me lots of good material, and um, <laughs> they understand. Tim and Kathy know my dad very well, um, and, and lots of good lessons. I had a hard time focusing on what I would say, um, uh, and in getting caught up on what I would say, I, uh, a friend reminded me that um, it's not about what I'm going to say up here, but but just the importance of today and um, and in preparing for this, reflecting and gratitude for, for fathers and appreciation for dads, and then in that... Um, the, the model of that, of um, reflecting on our appreciation for God as our Heavenly Father. Um, yeah, so, so some of the main things that my, the main qualities my dad represents to me um, are grace and encouragement and support. And um, I'll kind of focus on the encouragement and support today in, in the ways he's um, encouraged me to pursue things, um, yeah, in my life. Um, so, uh, my dad has always encouraged me and my siblings to try new things and to challenge ourselves, and um, a lot of times I really didn't like that as a kid. Um, wanted to just do what I liked. I think we all often do. Um, and when I was in middle school, he persisted in encouraging me to try out for the cross-country team, and I didn't really run and, um, and didn't really like that. And, and he secretly emailed the cross-country coach and, and told him to, to ask me. And so coming from a different perspective, I was like, oh, Maybe I am a good runner, and, and so um, because of because of that, I joined the cross country team. Um, 
and I was very shy and nervous about it and, and unconfident in my running ability. And um, I'm so grateful now that I uh, that my dad encouraged uh, me to do that through his sneaky route um, because I, I discovered a passion for running that has stuck with me um, for my whole life and been a really big part of my life. Um, and without my dad's support, I wouldn't have discovered that. Um, yeah. And because of running, I've um, developed lifelong relationships and friendships and that are so, so important to me and to where I am today, um, spiritually even, um, and, uh, and have just provided a lot of opportunities, too, in school and stuff and, and in life. Um, so, so grateful for the way that um, my dad was uh, an, an encourager and encouraged me to, to do challenging things. Um, which for me translates hugely to to my faith and into our faith. Um, my dad's passion for exploring challenging things, not only for myself but for himself, and and the way he's an example in doing that at home in um, pursuing things for himself that are also challenging, um, translates hugely into into faith and into my faith. Um, most of the things uh, God calls us to are not easy; they're usually challenging, as we see in the Bible. Um, it's not easy to follow God, and, um, and joining the cross-country team was not easy for me, um, and I'm grateful that my dad taught me some of the, um, that some of the more rewarding and important things in life are, are the challenging ones, as is pursuing a life of following Christ. Um, and, and similar to this, kind of on that note, um, when I graduated, I decided to, um, to travel instead of going to school immediately. Um, which was quite a scary and risky thing, especially for my family. As you can imagine, I, I went to Costa Rica and Africa on my own. I was only 17. Um, and for my dad, that was a big step to let me do that and to um, let go of the fears that that risk involved. Um, and, yeah. And so seeing the, um, that his example of surrender, surrendering me um, as his daughter to, to what God was calling me to, um, was a, was really important for me to see in how um, we are to surrender our fears um, that hold us back from following God. And um, as he put it, that um, that this is what he said to me. He said, Kelsey, you are not my child. You're God's child that he's given me to, to steward. Um, and and this is what God has called you to. And and um, for me, that relates so much to um, to life and and the things that God has given us and um, to surrender them and surrender fear specifically um, that holds us back from from pursuing Christ. Um, So the example I have in my dad played played an important role in me discerning my passions, running, and and who I am, and as well as um, deepening my understanding of God as our Father. and through my dad, I've learned the importance of facing challenges we encounter in our pursuit of Christ um, and surrendering our fears. So short and sweet, but I pray that um, today we would just um, reflect on, on the qualities that our, our dads have and, and how that relates to God's character. So for me, that's um, pursuing challenging things, um, but that's uh, maybe a little more specific to my dad. But um, I pray that we would just all reflect on... Um, uh, the qualities our dads possess that allow us to reflect on um, God's character and love and, and just appreciate that. So thank you. If my father were here, I would be back in the seat about now. He never could handle having anyone get up 
and saying anything about him. Um, he was a man of deep humility in every sense of the word. He was also supposed to be nominated for the award your father is receiving, but my father refused to have his name put in. His idea was that you just don't pay honor to human beings. If we're going to honor someone, it's the Lord. And I argued long and hard with my best persuasive qualities, and it never got anywhere. But I did write a paper for him, which I'm not going to share. I discovered in writing that paper I needed to write an encyclopedia, not just a little paper, because I didn't know where to start and stop. And that's true this morning, too. I knew my dad loved me. He seldom said that word, love. But I knew he loved me. And one of my most graphic memories is standing watching my dad as a volunteer fireman fight a fire in a church that had been condemned. And uh, some children had crawled in underneath the foundation in the crawl space and started a fire. And I stood beside watching the fire and watching as they fought the fire and seeing my dad go in the building with a hatchet or a big axe and chopping holes in the floor frantically and then reaching in. Because outside of that church were three little red scooters, Richard's, Roger's, and mine. Richard and Roger were lying on blanket out on the lawn, unconscious. But he didn't know where I was. And I finally learned that the reason he chopped holes in the floor almost to the point of exhaustion, was looking for me. And I said, my goodness, he cares. And it was quite a, quite a revelation. My dad was most of all a teacher. He did a lot of writing. He did a lot of teaching. Uh, he was involved and interested in history at every level. But he was a teacher at every point. And even from his blacksmith shop, where he worked long, hard hours, he'd go out about 4.30 in the morning and start working in his shop. He'd come home. Now, you understand, I lived in a town of 242 people. So his shop was half a block from my house. He would come home and have breakfast and family devotions with the family at about 7 or 7.30. But then he would work until uh, later in the evening, six days a week. But in his shop, he would talk with the men that came in, the farmers. And uh, he had kind of a homespun philosophy of life. But most of all, he shared about the God that he loved. And in some way or another, that came into every conversation. There was one man in the community that loved so-called stumping my dad. And he'd come in and say something that he had thought about long and hard that he knew was going to just cut my dad down. And uh, people enjoyed that. Farmers would gather in my dad's shop and just listen to all of this as he was working. One day, Walter came in and said, Kermit, you know those stories you tell about that are in the Bible and all that? He said, that's just nothing. He said, every religion in the world has a story about the flood. For an example, my dad said, yes, of course they do. Their ancestors were in that flood, too. And he loved just coming up with those kind of, kind of quick answers. But my father never laid credit to any of them. There were a lot of people in the community who said, Kermit's got a quick wit. Kermit said, the Holy Spirit gives me things to say in the moment I need it. 
And of course, we all know that's a scriptural thought. <clears throat> we are privileged as a family to have a lot of my dad's writings. When my mother died, when she was 51, he was lonely, and so he started writing in the evenings. Uh, a few years before he died, I asked how many little booklets of vignettes he had written, and it was 33 at that time. He continued to write columns for the newspaper until about a year and a half before he died. Uh, one of the last times I saw my dad, he was uh, quite concerned about a law that was coming up in Minnesota where they were going to be voting on gay marriage. And my dad said, well, I'm going to have to write a column about that. And I said, oh, Dad, why don't you just let your pen stay on the desk? Uh, I was concerned about him getting into all sorts of conflict and controversy. About two, three weeks later, I got the column in the mail. He had clipped it out of the paper and sent it to me. And uh, it was quite interesting. Uh, I don't, can't quote it all for you, but the essence of it was that uh, I have no right to vote on the definition of marriage. It's already been defined by God, and he quoted from the scripture. And that was sort of his style. He wasn't a scholar. He said he had half an eighth grade education. He was the oldest boy in the family, so he stayed home and worked on the farm if the weather was real nice, or if it was too bad to go to school, no one went. So he considered himself to have half an eighth grade education. But he read, he studied, he read the Bible through every year, starting when he was in his probably late 30s. He would read the Bible through each year. Um, his diary entries that we have, his little journal of the last year of his life, he started reading the Bible uh, through, started in Genesis 1, on December 30th. The following March 30th, three months later, he had completed the reading for the year. And then he said, but I don't recommend anyone else read it this fast. You need to read slower and be more alert and more taking in of the thoughts and the message. So don't do that. So that's his word to us. He was uh, very involved in the community. He uh, took roles of responsibility in the little village we lived. We used to tease him about his political machine. Um, there was one year or two where he was the mayor, the fire chief, the water superintendent, and the weed inspector all at once because other men had died or moved away or whatever, and so he'd just take on one more role. We used to tease him that he was a quorum at the city council all by himself, and uh, that was just kind of a family joke. He worked well into this retirement years of the historical society. People that came into the community and said, you know, my great-grandfather homesteaded somewhere in this community, they said, you need to go see Kermit Holmgren. So they'd come to my dad's place. At first it was his shop, and later years it was the assisted care facility he lived in, and he'd say, oh, old so-and-so, yeah, well, let me get, get in your car and I'll take you out there. And he would drive a ride with people out there and show them the farm their grandfather homesteaded or great-grandfather and where they went to school, where they went to church, who their neighbors were, and the whole time telling them fun stories about their um, long-ago um, long ancestor. He had more family and more friends than anyone could believe uh, as the years went on. His brother died at the age of 30. Uh, my father was four years older. And uh, along about in 
my dad's mid-50s, he realized that his brother's three children, who were three, four, and five when their dad died, didn't remember much about their father. So he started writing them letters, dredging up every memory he could. And as the years went along, I know at one point they told me that they had gotten something over 100 letters from my dad fleshing out the real-life father that they never really knew. Doug Erickson, one of my cousins has collected these and plans to write uh, a paper on it. Doug Erickson has come up with a nice title for it, and it's called I Am My Brother's Keeper. But that hasn't happened yet. He taught me the value of scripture memorization. I remember one night, when I, before I started school, probably a year or two before I started school, my mother was in the hospital, and thus I went along to a PTA meeting and saw some kind of a movie on um, uh, safety, driving safety, I think, because I remember car crashes, ambulances, bleeding, battered-up people, and when I got home, I, of course, couldn't sleep. My little traumatized mind couldn't settle down. And my father admonished me over and over and over from his bedroom, Marion, it's time to go to sleep, you know, that kind of a story. Finally, he realized there was something more going on, and he came in and took me out of my bed and apologized that he had been so harsh and so stern with me, and uh, sat and talked with me about God's care for us. And he started teaching me the 23rd Psalm that night, uh, which I memorized uh, in short order. My dad was very involved in church. He had every office in the church at some time or another. Um, and that was a small community. I don't think he could pick and choose as easily as your dad could, Kathy. <laughs> you did whatever, whenever it was your turn, and so to speak, in some ways. His first recollection of doing something that he thought was significant in terms of the church was when he was 15. His father was never able to be a church member because his father had joined the Masons and that made him unable to be a church member. And the reason he joined the Masons was because he thought he needed health insurance. My father was born with a cleft lip and palate that wasn't operated on until he was 12 years old, and they were not able ever to really close the palate. Uh, he had an opening in the roof of his mouth about the size of a quarter uh, as long as he lived, which was over 100 years. Um, his mother had tuberculosis and was in a sanitarium for some considerable time when his youngest sister was an infant. His mother lived with them, and she had significant arthritis problems, and his aunt lived with them, who had um, severe rheumatoid arthritis and was not out of a wheelchair even to lie down in bed the last three, four years of her life. So the point is, his father, my grandfather, thought health insurance was very important. I guess we all would in that situation. And the only way a farmer on the Western Plains of Minnesota could get health insurance back in those days was to belong to some group where health insurance was available, and that only place he could find was that Mason's group. Don't think he ever attended a meeting unless he had to just sign up, but as a consequence, he never could join the church. So the day came when they were going to put a basement underneath this church property or church building. And uh, my grandfather could not go and do their family's share of the work because he was not a member. So my dad's mother said, Kermit, it's up to you to do our family's share of uh, building that basement 
So early one morning, my dad set out with a team of horses and a, some kind of a big scoop shovel that the horses pulled and that you held on to some kind of handles like the pictures of the old plows or something, except this was a big scoop shovel. And he got there, and there was like a little hole that the horses could barely get through to go down underneath the church, and then they would be scooping out dirt from the whole place. Well, the horses weren't going to be that stupid and walk into some black hole. So my dad lit on the idea of turning around, the horses around, and backing them down. And he worked there all day, scooping dirt out to uh, make that church basement. And he said as a teenager, he felt so good about being able to do their family share of that construction project. Well, my dad was a simple man. Very simple. Life was simple to him. God said this, we do it. I don't think that honors the Lord. We don't do it. Um, we had little conflicts over that from time to time. Uh, I can tell you my father never wrote out a check or did any money transactions on Sunday in the 100 years of his life. If he forgot on Saturday to write out the check for the offering for church on Sunday, he wrote it out Monday morning and brought it to Wednesday night Bible study. He never wrote one on Sunday. Um, when my sister and I were baptized on a Sunday afternoon in a lake in Minnesota, we came home with wet towels and blankets, and my sister and I were ready to hang them on the clothesline. My father said, no. Our witness for our neighbors is that no work is done in this house on a Sunday. And if they see things hanging on the clothesline, what are they going to think? Surely not that you girls were baptized and are just drying out the towels and blankets. So they sat in a, in a basket uh, in the family or in the uh, laundry room until Monday morning. Another time we got a call early Monday morning and the neighbor lady said, who at your house is sick? Oh, my mother said, we're all well and fine. But there was a light on in your house last night. And we had gone to church Sunday evening, somebody left a light on. And the only reason our neighbors could think of that a light would be on in our house on Sunday was that somebody was sick and therefore wasn't at church. So that was the kind of small town world I grew up in. And as I said, my, my life was simple and my family's life was simple. I'm going to show a little video. It's two and a half minutes long. And it's of my father. This video was done about six weeks before his 100th birthday. And uh, he was sharing with me when I was back visiting that uh, out of all the things he had written, this was one of his favorite pieces. And this is something he did often. He'd read from the word, he'd sit and think about it a little bit, and then often he'd write a little, a little story, a little vignette, a little encapsulment of that scripture passage in terms of his life. And uh, so that's what this piece is all about. Third. 2006, I've been here visiting my dad, and uh, he was showing me one of the things that he's written that uh, I want to have him read into this tape. And so this is my dad, Kermit Holmgren, on April 3rd, 2006. Psalm 23, the first verse, we read, I shall not be in want. And take it out in the new international version. I was reflecting today on the many things I have 
desired in my life and that my desires have been granted, fulfilled. In my early life I wished for a miracle that would take away the deformity, a hair lip that was my plague of my childhood. I was questioned about it by every new kid I met. That was granted in 1918. I wanted a girlfriend. God gave me Gladys. I wanted a wife. God gave me Gladys. I wanted a little girl with curly hair. And God gave me two of them. In my teenage years, I wanted to become a Christian. God forgave my sin and gave me a new life. I wanted to tell others about it. God gave me a Sunday school class. I wanted to tell my girls of my early life. God gave me the ability to write about it for them. I was interested in black fitting. God gave it made it that I made my living by it for 35 years. After Gladys went to be with the Lord, I wanted another wife. Life was too lonesome. God gave me Pearl, and now for over 33 years, we have lived in love and harmony in three different homes. The future is in God's hands. I shall not be in want. Thank you, Dad. I, I just wanted to say in closing that if I were going to pick out three words that I think encapsulate my dad, and this is hard to do, as you know, but I would say that he was a man of great humility. And I would say that he was a man of great humor. He saw humor in almost everything in life and just really enjoyed um, everything about life. Even, even in his last days, he, uh, he still could see humor in things. And then I would say his ability to honor what was important. He honored my mother tremendously. Um, there was a... One time when I was in the house, my mother loved sewing, and she'd made herself a lovely new outfit. She'd been to the millinery shop and put together a hat to match, and she came down the stairs as my dad came home for lunch. And I was there, and my father just stood there admiring her coming down the steps, and he said, how did I get you anyway? And that was a true wonder on his part. But he also honored God. He honored God most of all. I picked out a Bible verse that I thought brought some of this home to me in terms of what would stand for my father. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. <laughs>